Amen. Obviously, I'm not 6'8". I'm only 6'2". I'm not Brett. He's not here. I'm Don. I'm one of the servant leaders here at the church, and I want to say good morning. Oh, that was awesome. Last night was dead. This is much better. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, that's the context to which we will be reading and applying God's word today. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 6 is our launching point. I'm going to read it through. And just a sidebar, not that I know most of you do have the New American Standard Bible, which is a great version of the Bible. I went back to my old one. This Bible is 1226-94, so that's, that's how old I am in the Lord. That's how old this thing is. And it's falling apart, which is awesome, because usually when the Bible's falling apart, the person isn't, right? This thing has been bound, glued. Look, it's got cheesy glue in it. It's all messed up. It's awesome, but it's New King James. So if it doesn't match up with your Bible, I'm sorry, but that's the version I'm reading today. I'm going to read it through. Then I'm going to give you a little bit of historical information, some, sub, some information to give you some background. There's going to be things that are going to be said more than one time. I am very dumb, so I like to, I got to make sure I tell myself over three or four times that if I understand it, so I'm going to do the same thing with you, assuming you're all smarter than me, right? Amen. Well, probably, right, Pastor Brad? I heard you. That's funny. That guy. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Everybody there? Yeah, we, we can banter back and forth too. I'm not Brett, so you can go ahead and be engaged with me. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ who are in Philippi with the bishops, the elders, and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6. Being confident in this very thing, that he, he who has begun a good work in you, will complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. Amen, huh? Good stuff. little background information before we unpack this. This is going to be a small dinner. You guys go to dinner, you have the salad first, then you have the entree, then you have dessert. We're going to stack this as such. There's going to be flow to it, and I'm going to give you some background information now. Paul was here. He's been unpacking the truth. Pastor Brett's going through the book of Acts. How many of you guys are enjoying that? It's awesome, huh, learning about the book of the Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the modern-day Bible study, if you will, for us to mandate and to follow. Paul was arrested in Jerusalem. You're going to hear that noted a couple times because I want to make sure that we understand how good we got it today. Have it, not got it, have it. I have a grammar coach now, so I need to have it. It's not got it, have it. Being that said, Paul the apostle was arrested in Jerusalem, held in prison in Caesarea for two years until he appealed to Caesar and was brought as a prisoner to Caesar in Rome in order that he might appear before Caesar and appeal his case. While Paul was in Rome for two years awaiting his appearance before Caesar, he was under house arrest. He was able to rent his own quarters, however, 24 hours a day. And this is the things that's going to be um, rhetorical, going to give you this information a couple different times. But I want you to understand this and hear this in case you don't. 24 hours a day, he was chained to one of the Roman guards. There were some, there were in Rome some 10,000 elite soldiers who had been appointed as imperial guard and whose chief duty was the protection of the emperor in Rome. One of these men was chained to Paul on shifts 24 hours a day for two years. It's just mind-blowing sometimes when I even read it. Paul saw that a tremendous, Paul, Paul saw this as a tremendous opportunity to witness and share the love of Jesus. They can't get away. <laughs> and a result of Paul's witnessing to these men, many of them of Caesar's household were brought to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Hey, let's start praying that for Donald Trump, right? Start praying that for him. Yeah, you can clap. It's okay. Quite a revival there in Rome while Paul was awaiting his appearance before Caesar. This letter, again, you're going to hear some information twice. Please, I'm not being um, slow. I'm giving it so you can hear it because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And we know that we need to hear things sometimes more than once. Some of us aren't very smart. Raise your hand if you're not. <laughs> you should have all raised your hand. The church in Philippi took up an offering 
for him and sent him a very generous offering. It was brought to him by Epaphroditus, who was on the way back, who on the way back from that became extremely ill and almost died. But he brought the gift to Paul from the hearts of those in Philippi. And basically this letter that Paul writes in prison, chained to a Roman guard, is, is, a, is a letter of thanksgiving and gratitude for the support money that was given to him via Epaphroditus. And so that's really the occasion of Paul writing this epistle. It is written not from an apostle standpoint. And I want you to read that, an apostle standpoint. Paul, in other letters, as you guys know, wrote from a letter of a conviction, of clarity, of understanding the, the, the tenets of faith, of understanding, more importantly, correction. Some of us need correction sometimes. Probably none of you in this room, but some do. There's a very warm and friendly feeling through this whole epistle. It's interesting. The tone of this epistle is, is, and this has been called, the epistle of joy. And it's hard to go back to this again, just to review it and and go back to the context of this. But he's chained to a Roman guard. Many of these, and he's chained there. Some of you, how many of you have ever been to Rome? I want to go. It's on my bucket list. I want to do it now. Many of the people that, if you go to the maritime prison where tradition says Paul was held, there's no light, only light for a certain amount of time. There's no constant light during this time. There was only a light as the sun went over for only a certain amount of time. But Paul was content. He writes, as I've learned in whatever state I'm in, where to be content. I know how to be abound. I know how to be abased. I'm content because my contentment does not rely on my circumstances. My contentment lies in my relationship with Jesus Christ, and that cannot change. My circumstances may change. Amen. I may be in a tough physical circumstance, but my commitment never changes. My commitment is in Jesus. And this is important as we learn to find our contentment in Jesus, my brothers and sisters, because we can learn in whatever condition we are to be content. So let's look at the text. Let's unpack this and let's go forward, okay? Amen? You with me? You have your coffee? You awake? Verse 1. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, and the bishops and deacons, elders and deacons. Again, Paul, during this, this time, I'm, I'm, I'm reemphasizing just to make a point so you guys get the context and understand why Paul is writing this. It's a letter of introduction. He, when he wrote letters of correction, again, he often addressed them as an apostle. He wanted to let the reader know and the hearers know these things, guys, that he was speaking from authority. He was speaking as the church planner. He was speaking as somebody that, hey, this is not what I taught you. This is not where you're going. This is not, this is not how... These things are being unpacked, but in this book, he doesn't. He writes them as fellow slaves and servants. We're going to develop this more, but I think it's important that, and as the Lord birthed this, because I had another message God, I believe, laid on my heart, but he laid this message in transition a couple weeks ago because of where Brett and John are. As you look at this introduction again, you see Paul and Timothy, not Paul alone, not anybody doing alone, anything alone in Christianity. And if you think you can do Christianity alone, I'm going to let you know, you're not going to be very successful. It's not going to work. I'm going to let you know that right now from the beginning. You are, you are designed by God, creator, a threefold. He, was, he is eternally three persons. We are joined together in fellowship and are designed to have fellowship with one another. And I think about this because Brett and John are doing ministry. They're teaching other Christian pastors and leaders and encouraging them right now. They are joined together and doing the work of Jesus on the other side of the world, literally, right now as we speak. You know, I talked with Brett this earlier this week. One of the things that he said, and he's been, he's been traveling a lot and doing a lot of the good work for God. He's been to Africa with Wes Bentley, been to Mexico recently. But he said this to me, and, and he doesn't, Brett's not one to mess words, Pastor Brett, but he said this, this trip has changed my life more than words can explain. And, it, and he said this, it's awesome that we can join this in, in the gospel. And I think about that. This is fruit according to your account. Whether or not you're here or not, we are all part of Calvary Chapel Surprise, right? This is your church, yes? Amen? So your pastor and one of your elders who is a pastor is there right now being an example of being slaves in the union of Jesus encouraging them. And I don't know if the context is correct, but I will say it again. I think Brett was telling me that there was 27 out of 27 to 57. The, 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 the WhatsApp was a little bit, that's the app that you use to be able to talk around the world, was a little um, disheveled. But I will say that I think he said that number out of 1 million people are Christians. Did you hear that number? There's more than 27 of you in here, right? 
out of a million people are Christians. That's scary. It's truth, though. When the devil reigns, he reigns, and he doesn't give ground. He doesn't give ground. It's only by love and compulsion, by people going in and spreading the love, that is when things are changed. And that's, Lord willing, what's, being hap- what's happening right now. And we're a part of that. Jeff Talbot and I, how many of you guys know who Jeff Talbot is? He's one of our elders in our church. Amen. He's a godly man. He did Wednesday night two weeks ago. If you don't know him, I'll give you information on how to figure that out. But Jeff and his wife have been sponsoring a child with compassion for 20 years. Right? About six or seven-year-old. Jeff and Patty have been in contact with their son. He calls him, he calls him dad, and that's their son. His name is Vankana. Vankana, in all his communications, calls Jeff daddy. It's so sweet. Long and short, this, this young man has grown up in the Lord very strong, very strong. And Jeff and I will be going there for two weeks in April to see what this young man might need to be able to further his ministry. You're going to be partnering with us with this to see where this is going. Again, a, a place of conviction. I don't mean to, to, to make you feel bad, but I'm going to tell you what they do every day. They have a normal job. He's a, he is a librarian, which is a big job. Books are a rarity in this culture, in this climate. And he has a government great job, went to school, educated, and he runs a library Monday through Friday. And then they get on the, they get on the train, him and his wife, and they travel all night to the rare area where he was a compassion child, which is nowhere close to where he is existingly live now. And they ride it all night and they get up in the morning and they go love on kids all day, all day. And they do that and they stay in a hut on the ground, sleep on the floor. And then Sunday morning, they do the same thing. And then Sunday night, they get up after they're done and they catch the train and they sleep on the train and they go back to work on Monday. Three weekends a month, they do this. Don't you want to be a part of doing this with somebody that's that sold out? Amen. Yeah, we're going to be a part of that. We're going to go see how we can bless, serve, and be a part of this. But you guys are a part of that. And I've been thinking about that as we tie in again back to the verse Paul and Timothy. This is what happens when you do Christian life. This, whether you want to or not, and it's not meant to be a bad mandate, but when you, when you walk in unison with people, ministry naturally happens, whether you think so or not. It's a normal thing, and it's okay. You just walk in it, be a part of it, and let God use you. The next word we're going to address is bondservant. I know many of you probably already know this, but I have to teach it as an example. It's the Greek word doulos. And Pastor Brad wrote a song called doulos. Did you not, Pastor Brad? Yes, amen. It means willful slave. Metaphor, one who gives himself up to another's will. Literally, those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. Their goal in life will be in submission and subjection, leading the Holy Spirit and King Jesus and King Jesus being magnified. And this is what I think as they read this and they see this, I think it's a truth that we all need to think about. Are we slaves? Are we sold out? Are we living in a way that pleases God? These are questions you, you ask yourself. But before he gets to the leaders and the elders and the deacons, I think it's interesting that we look at this next word. It's called saint. Any of you ever heard the word saint? You ain't ain'ts, right? Saints, another bad English. Saints, you are all saints not ain'ts. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. Amen. No one greater, no one less. The literal application of that word is one who's been set apart for Jesus. I'm going to tell a story about, I mean, you ever heard of Harry Ironside? Harry Ironside, crickets. Yeah, he's an amazing Canadian theologian. And he tells a story of, a, of, a, of a, on a trip from the East Coast to the West Coast. He was on a train with a group of nuns who happened to be working for a social care and doing an event on the train as he was, they were traveling. And he they were going together, and he knew that, and he saw that, so he was playing a little coy. He was being a little sneaky, and he opens up his Bible on the train, and he starts reading it, and these nuns walk up and say, whoa, a Christian, somebody reading his Bible, and upon them walking over, he says, and he looks at them, have you ever seen a live saint? He said, well, no. He then led them on a discourse and a Bible study of how many times in the New Testament that word exists and how many times it's applied. Write that down for your own notes. Look it up, saint. You are what God says you are. Amen? You are a saint. You are what God says you are. So you're, look, you're, you're a set-apart people just as the people in Philippi. So now you're going to look to the person to your right your left and say, hey, you're a saint, not an ain't. Go ahead, do it. That was kind of quirky, but it was fun, right? 
Saint Randy? Hallelujah. Church business. We'll do a little church business now. Elder and deacon. Uh, you see those two words as you continue down that verse. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons, elder and deacons. And elder doesn't mean old guy, okay? Just because you're an elder doesn't mean you're old. I mean that in love. That's not meant. Uh, that was a Marius joke, so that one didn't go over well. Yeah, we'll address that with him later. But if you're an elder, it doesn't mean you're old. There are many elders who are young men who are pastors because the word elder is a position that is given in the church that is recognized by other men within the body of church by the laying on of hands. We have elders backslash deacons in our church. And for those of you who don't know it, if you go to the website, there's a staff page on that page. You'll be able to see all the people that are blessed to have jobs and serve here. Along with that, you'll see our church government. You'll see the elders, pastors, and deacons as such on that page. And you can email us directly from there. You can send all my emails to brad at ccsurprise.org. He would love to be entertaining and getting all those. But that's where we have that also. It's all there. We want you to know that it exists. We have a working church government, just like in Philippi. We have the same thing. We have a board of directors. We have a board of elders, which we, we don't really like calling it because we're just trying to be godly men and not mess this up. That's honestly our prayer every Tuesday. Lord, please let us get out of the way and not mess this up. All the pastors in our church are at Calvary Chapel are models of elders. Every one of, every one of the pastors in the church is an elder, but not all elders are pastors. But I will say this, of those elders that are in our church, all but two have been pastors, so they have those qualifications. So you, we do have this working system. I just wanted you to understand this in case you ever wanted to know with whom or whom you're talking to or like it matters, it doesn't, because the word elder and pastor is servant. That's what we're trying to be here. We're trying to be all servant leaders and, and love you and encourage you and build you up in your faith. Deacons are on there too. So I just want you to know our elder board consists of eight godly men. Pray for us, honestly. Pray that we, as we meet, that we would hear from God and pray that we would lead well. That's honestly our, our, our ending and closing prayer that we'd hear from the Lord as we try to be godly and more importantly, be servants to you. Let's go on to the next verse. Grace to you and peace from our Lord and Father. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The twins of Christianity, as you guys have probably already heard this, the title of our King, Lord Jesus, that the Lord means that he's, you are submitted to him as King. That's what that Lord, Lord, Lord means. Jesus, which means Jehovah's salvation. He is the reason for salvation. Obviously, you know this. And Christ, which means Messiah. Christ was the Messiah, the Son of God. That is his name, mission, and calling, and his position to all of us who call him Lord today, Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to say this before we go any farther. You can't have peace. You can't have peace. You can't get it with the drug. You can't, it's a high you can't buy. You can't get grace. You can't have peace unless you know Lord, the Lord Jesus. And I mean that in love. We're, we're, we're finishing up the salad now. We're going to start eating as we go into verse 3. But this is where the message starts unfolding as we make application in life, as we do life together, as we understand the living word of God. You cannot have grace. You cannot have peace apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I mean that wholeheartedly because I think that sometimes we can get to a point that we can reconcile in our own brains that that person's going to do it or this situation's going to do it or this thing's going to happen. I'm going to let you know Jesus is our most satisfying reality. Amen? That's the only thing that works. Everything else has skin, and if it has skin, it has sin, and that's the truth. People are people. We look, we're called to love each other in ways that we, we don't even understand this side of heaven, and that's the truth. But our satisfaction comes from Jesus. All roads to God collide and intersect at the foot of cross. Let's say that again. All roads lead to God. That's correct. All religions do, but they all intersect at the foot of the cross. Don't, ever let, don't let anybody ever dissuade you from that truth. He changed time. We're here 2017 because of his birth and life. And that's being washed away, being changed. Even, even, in the, even in places where they hate the Lord, they justify his time by pinning a date and a time by his birth. He changed everything. You ready for verse three? I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. So let's just stop there and set the air brake on the truck. 
set the breakdown. And just, let's just think about this verse now. Because when you read the Bible, as you're supposed to do, is stop and read and think, pray. Lord, what, what are you really saying here? What do you want to say to me? What are you doing? At least that's how I do it. And I would encourage you to stop because the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what it says. I believe it. Paul is writing this again as he's giving thanks for the church in Philippi. And this is a huge affirmation. You got to think about this. We are reading about 2,000 years later, 1,900 and some odd, but nonetheless, about Paul thanking a people group, a church congregation, and we get to read about it. How would you like to be remembered as that? The Church of Calvary Chapel Surprise. We thank God for them. Amen? Wouldn't that be awesome to be that penned in the accords of time? That they think that it's written that people thank God for us. That's a big statement. Just don't read it and glance over, but really think about it. Paul, Paul's probably thinking about Lydia. This church was birthed from a women's prayer meeting. Thank God for that. Thank God when women pray. Thank you women when you do. Because you are much closer to God than us hard-headed men. I can tell you that sometimes. We don't get it. I'll confess, and I'm, I'm, driving the, I'm driving the boat. Yeah, I'm with you, sister. It's true. You hear much more and are much closer involved with the Holy Spirit than sometimes we are. And that's what this church was started. Paul was there and he saw Lydia. And before you know it, there's a church. How about the Philippian jailer? The guy almost killed himself. Paul says, no, 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 no. Stop. Thank the Lord. He stopped. He didn't kill him. But you think about all these things, the accounts that go through your head when you start thinking and thanking God. So let's talk about this as a personal application. Let's put feet to our faith and let's start understanding what God's word says. Macro and micro, macro, micro, macro, micro, not macaroni, macro, micro, okay? Big and small. This is personal and it's the point of a verse that I think we need to really realize in our life. Pastor Ray Dash, anybody know him? I heard him, Pastor Ray Dash, come on guys. So go on our website. If you don't, it's our sister church in Newark, New Jersey. He's our little missionary. Because of our, your generous support, we are able to support him. And he was able to quit his job and now do full-time ministry in Newark, New Jersey. Amen. Hallelujah. Give God a clap. That's awesome. Love this guy. He did our men's advance last year. He, got to, he stayed with me for a week. Got to fall in love with him. Had a man, what's it called? Uh, I have a man crush on him. Bromance. That's right. Bromance. Had a little bromance. It was sweet. Love that guy. Called me this week, and, he, and he's texting me, and then he sends me a link about how from here to like McDonald's, literally from here to McDonald's, we went down and we gave some food to some people down there in the street in the projects, and it's the projects. It's not, it's not housing developments. It's projects. People living in boxes the size of this stage, I'm not lying, literally, divvied up on top of each other. Uh, just, it is what it is. I'm not going to say anything because that's just the way it is. But Ray was there and he was telling me about, he watched, uh, uh, got to see himself in a video testimonial. There's, there was a, there's a, down this thing, there's this large, large, if you can visualize with me, a large um, electrical line that runs in, that runs power. On that power line, there's a bunch of boxing gloves and the kids throw the boxing gloves over there because at one time they used to have street fighting there. So that's how this was identified, but not anymore. But right there in that facility, right there in front of that, some guy that was going to the church was a part of the congregation backslid a little bit, got stuck, got, went, went back to his old ways and owed a guy some money, I guess, and was shot and murdered in that area from here to McDonald's away. And not only that, but the guy had, he had a couple friends with him, so the guy opened fire and shot three other people in the midst of this. This was on 504 on Wednesday, and this has really, really affected the community. People shooting, Ray, Ray said this, and this is something that I thought he said to the, to the reporter, this is just systematic genocide happening in, in, in the area that I live in and, the, and that I'm here doing work in and loving Jesus. And this is a truth, but hey, here's the truth. I thank God for Ray, amen? Because if we didn't have, if he wasn't there, we weren't able to support him, he would have been, he would have drove like 40, 50 miles to hear about it, but he's in the community making a change, being a light, giving people hope, peace, showing them about the love of Jesus, trying to make sense of why this would happen. It doesn't make sense. None of that stuff makes sense. Shooting another person never makes sense. It doesn't. 
But in the midst of it, there's truth there, and there's a guy named, there's a man named Ray, and I thank God for the church in Newark, and I thank God for pa- Pastor Ray. And this is a real battle for souls in a poor culture in our own country, guys, that doesn't want to submit to Jesus. Pray for our sister at church in Newark. If you don't yet, please do, okay? And if you could, go on the website and learn about it. It's a, it's a huge blessing, the whole testimonial of how it happened and where he's doing. What, it's, it's amazing, but pray for him. So now micro. Macro being that part of that, another, but now micro. Personal, infle- personal reflection. Is there somebody right now in your life, when you read this verse, you really thank God for them? There is in my life again, and I'm thankful. But I'm also thankful for the things that make me able to say that, and I'm going to share this now, this part with you. There are memories for, from some of you know, two years, the two years of life, uh, seven months ago, Susan Aldana went to be home with Jesus. She lost her, her battle with cancer. It's my wife. Through that experience, though, I learned what love was. And you have an understanding. I've been a godly man for a while. I thought I was. And I'll say this to an extent. I'm Bible college, the whole thing. Understand the fundamentals of theology. Understanding the love aspects. Understanding lots of, lots of biblical, many biblical truths. And I'm thankful for what God has done. But under this condition, I never understood what agape love was. Unconditional love, not needing anything in return. I learned that meaning of love. I learned to remember the good things of life and the reality and the truths of life. You know, I'm a full man understanding this now. I am a full man understanding of love now. And I can say that honestly, without regret, because it is not by anything I chose. I can tell you that now. There's, 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 no, there's, there's no shirt that you sign up for or buy to want to be a widow at 46 years old, widower. There's not, you don't sign up for that. There's no plan for that. But I would not change. I'm going to say this wholeheartedly to you. And this is not a sense of, I don't want you feeling sorry for me either in that regards, because there always is going to be that. But that's not it. I would not change anything to be able to stand here right now. Why? Because I had to learn a deep, valuable lesson of the selfishness of my own heart, of the understanding of what it is to really love, and the grace to go through a season of love to be able to serve somebody. And some of you have gone through these things, right? Some of you understand what I'm saying. Some of, you, some of you have these things that are manifest. And I think about this, and, and I know she's in a much better place. There's no more pain. The truth is manifested. She's with Jesus. But as I get to this, under, this last point, it's about loving others, guys. That's what this whole thing's about. Everything we do is about loving others. Loving the unlovable. Some of, these, some of you guys in this room have had such similar situations. I know you have. I, I, we deal with many times. You, you've gone through things. You don't know what, what happened. You don't know why this happened. You don't, it doesn't make sense. Why, why am I going through this? What happened? I already went through this. Some of you, how many of you can raise your hand to that? Amen. Many of you can. You don't understand what God's doing. Why are you allowing this, Lord? I learned the lesson. This isn't my fault. You can go down the litany of anything that's going on in your life. But remember what Paul did. He's literally, again, writing Thank you for these people chained to a guy, literally chained to another man. I know I said this earlier, but how can somebody really be thankful if they're chained to somebody else physically? Have you ever thought about that? How can you be thankful in being chained? I can tell you how. Jesus! I'll say it again. Jesus! Jesus did a work in Paul through much pain and suffering to be able to be thankful in all the situations. Our walk is not about attrition. It's about what Jesus says. It's about standing on the sure truth of his word. It says in Hebrews 11:1, without faith, it's impossible to please him because you must believe that he is and he's rewarded them who diligently seek him. That's 11:6. 11:1 is faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of those things not seen. And we have to minister to this point in our lives to be able to speak into your heart, to get it from this 18 inches. This is the hardest ground that covers your whole life. Some of you who are older can attest to that. This is the hardest ground to cover, this, this 18 inches. Because this is where life makes itself real. The decision to purpose in what God has shown you, done for you, and doing in you to make yourself really realize that there are things you need to be thankful for. So let's go back to this topic. Do you have people in your life you need to be thankful for right now? Yes or no? 
Thank you. Amen. Write it down. I'm, write it down. Get a pen, steal from your neighbor to your right. Remember this, 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 this situation. Let them know. That's the one thing that you, when you, when you walk through death's door, everything in life seems to be magnified to the point that it could be annoying. Yeah, it could be. I get it. But it gets to a point where you realize that you are only here this long. Even you guys who are older than me, you're only here this long. How long is eternity? It's forever. Yeah, we say it was, ugh. it's a long time, a long time. And this, this little glimpse of time that we have in this shell that's decaying, which I'm not happy about, but I'm making an attempt to finish well. I'm doing a, an attempt right now. I want to finish well. I don't know what God has for me, but I know this. I'm not going to be lazy. I'm going to let the people that, I, that, that are in my sphere of infants know that they're loved, and I will love them. And I will love every one of you if you come in my way. I'm going to run you over in love. Amen? <laughs> Being thankful allows, though, my brothers and sisters, to go down a path to forgive, to let go, to be in a part of a situation, to, to make a manifest truth that we need truth in our lives. I know this verse I shared with the person this week, and I'm going to share it with you because it came up in this Bible study, because I think that we can get to a point of not allowing our thankfulness to be made part of our walks in Jesus. And that's the truth, because it says in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to seek, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that the more abundantly. Who wants the abundant life? You can have it. You can choose to have it. You can step through the door of faith and believe what God has in front of you is the next step for where you're going, how you're going to live, and what you're going to do. But hey, you need to let those people know, let them go, and go on. We're only here a little bit, guys, a little bit. And it's the choices we make now that ring out in eternity. And I want to encourage you with that, because loving people is, is what it's about. Nothing more, nothing less. Amen? Let's go to four and five now. Let's move on to four and five. Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for all of you with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Every prayer in joy. Do you pray for everybody that comes across your path for in joy with them? Sometimes you don't, right? You pray about that guy that cut you off this morning or the situation. Is that a joyful prayer? Probably not. That's why I'll never have one of these Calvary Chapel surprise stickers in the back of my car. <laughs> <laughs> These are not going on my truck. I can guarantee you that. Pastor Brad, don't say anything. But it's the truth, you know, because there's, there's opportunities for grace to be manifest. And I know it's a joke and it's kind of funny, but there's an opportunity for joy. But I'm going to let you guys know something right now. Joy is Jesus, others, and yourselves. Amen? We learned that with little kids. Jesus, others, and yourselves. Joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Where? Where? Look at that. Golf clap. Very good. But as we make these things real, and the, and the truth of this, this whole thing is, I'm going to let you know about something. Here's a bulletin. Are you ready? Big one. Your mate cannot fulfill your joy. Sorry. That person to your right or left, holy person, probably a better person you'll ever be in regards to the Lord. At least mine was. Way better example of Christianity. Not going to fulfill all your needs. Sorry about letting you down. Probably a great thing for you guys to have. Bill and Jan Strickland been married for 90,000 years. Great examples of that. What? Hey, you're not that old. I know that. <laughs> but long and short, you can get to a point of, per and this is, hey, men, I'm talking to you men now. I don't care how old you are or not. This is not, an, I'm not giving you grace to not be a nurturing, loving man. Some of us have fallen off that tree and don't understand that. And if you need some help, Talk to Pastor Brad again. He'll be more than happy to help you, right? <laughs> but as we go down these paths, I'm not giving you license on any of this stuff, but I am telling you that you can realize that Jesus is the answer in every prayer of yours making joy. Fellowship in the gospel, let's continue on, is the point I want to expand to. Fellowship in the Greek is the word koinonia. I mean, you've heard it before. Yeah, koinonia, it's a sweet word. This, there's really no English equivalent for this word, though. That's the truth. I've studied this, and we have an understanding of it. The context of the word blend in Greek is not, is not uh, harmonious. It doesn't, it doesn't, and that's one thing you learn about if you study other languages. Our language is not to be, it's deficient in many understandings of how words ha harmonize and homogenize. They blend and are joined. 
But in the biblical sense, this, this word literally has a, a greater understanding. The word fellowship really means a joint interest in the fellowship and activity. It's a partnership and participation in the church together. The basis for the fellowship was the gospel, as he notes, and right here in front of this verse, the basis for the premise in the fellowship was that, was the fellowship of the gospel. They wanted to see people saved and the good news go out from Jesus Christ. And Jesus is in, in the good news. And even to the context of this, if you would bring up 2 Corinthians 8, 1, for the church in Philippi was, was such a godly church, such a great church, such a church that was vested. 10 years, some 10 years later, it, it, it accounts in 2 Corinthians 8, 1. Do you have the verses up? Ding, do, do, do. There we go. Moreover, brethren, and this is 10 years later, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. He is saying that the church in Philippi and Macedonia, which is in there, believed in what was taking place and partnering with Paul in the gospel. That's what we're doing with Brett and John right now, amen? Partnering with them. What we're gonna do, we go to Mexico, we go to other places. We're partnering with people that want to see the, the kingdom advance. And I'm gonna let you know something else, guys. Everywhere you put your feet, you're in partnership. I don't know if you know that or not, but because does Jesus live inside of you if you're a Christian? Yes, is the answer. So you're taking him somewhere. In Acts chapter 2, verses 242, this comes up now, Acts 2, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. I'm going to comment as we go. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the fellowship, and the breaking bread of prayer and, and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the gospels. Now all who believed were gathered together and all had things in common. You're not getting my truck. And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among them all, at least as anyone had need. So continually, verse 46, they, they continue daily with one accord. You can have somebody's accord in here. I don't care about that. I don't like that car. In the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And who added to the church daily? The Lord added to the church daily. But that's something that we really need to focus on. God's interested in adding people. He's, you're not. And in that, he uses us as a part of that, but he does it. We just need to be willing vessels to be able to do this. A.B. Simpson says this about the gospel. The gospel tells rebellious man that God has reconciled, that justice is satisfied, that sin has been atoned for, that judgment of the guilty is revoked, that condemnation of the sinner has been canceled, the curse of the law has been blotted out, that the gates of hell are closed, that the portholes of heaven have been opened wide that the power of sin has been subdued, the guilty conscience healed, the broken heart comforted, the sorry and misery of the fall washed away and undone. Hallelujah, amen and amen, right? For those of you who are saved, that's some, that's some poetic truth and so un, an understanding that you know the gospel going forward is the quick measuring post of everything. Jesus is doing through a work through all of us in this room for those of us who call us Christians. Don't ever forget, he would use rocks. He said in his words, even the rocks would cry out. How, some of you are rocks in here, I know that. Some of you need to be thrown and moved. It's okay. But as we go down this path and understand these things, you know, Jesus adds, be mindful of people that are always drawing attention to themselves about the gospel too. That's a scary position that, that I probably had some 15, 16 years ago. I don't want to, I want to live a life, and I think you all do, you want to live a life well that applies these tenets of faith as part of natural virtue. So let's talk about this practically now as we share the gospel. What's a, what's a great way to do that, Funny? You should ask, Donnie. I'm going to give you one. You're all holy people in this room, right? right. You're all holy people in this room, right? Yeah. There you go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to venture to say that most of you pray before you eat, Yes? Most of you give thanks for the food that you're going to eat. Yes? Okay. So how many do it at home? Everybody? How many do it in public? Oh, okay. Now let's take a next step. Let's get crazy now. Let's invade Surprise, El Mirage, anywhere else we go. Let's start asking the waiter or waitress who brings us our food, how can I pray for you? How can I be a part of what you might need prayer for? You don't ever, you, don't, you have no idea of what happens. I've seen 
brokenness to joy to I don't need prayer, you crazy Christian, to whatever. We went to Babos with a couple friends about a week ago, and, and, and I was, we were the third table that asked this guy. And I was like, well, you get the point? <laughs> he wasn't happy with me. Well, what's the point? You need prayer. You need Jesus. And he said, I know I do. I'm like, well, he sent three of us in one day. I don't know what else you need. I told him that in love. I love you. Here's my card. And just come to church. See what God wants to do. Just, just see. You don't know what God, we have no idea what God wants to do. But to be available, that's a simple way to share the gospel. You're going to pray anyways. Hey, ask the waiter or waitress if you can pray for them. It's, and it might be uncomfortable. Yeah, sure. Could be. But Jesus got on a cross for you. Open the gates of hell for you. Not for you, for them. You guys are listening. Come on, you're supposed to correct me. No, they didn't. He didn't open the gates of heaven for you. He didn't open the gates of hell. Hell's been closed to those of us who believe. And we got to believe that. Last verse. Time to close up. The good one. Being confident in this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. I don't want to get caught up in the understanding of the day of Christ Jesus, that, that is another Bible study of another time, hermeneutically and the, uh, theologically. We understand the day of Jesus is, is the culmination day when he will come back and get his people. Well, I want to talk about the day as we apply it as a church at Calvary Chapel Surprise, the day that's in front of you, the day, the day of Jesus as we set forth in time today. This could be a verse. Some, some people I know this have, a, have this as a life verse. This verse could also be given as a confirmation to others. This verse could be a truth you need to believe. Maybe some of you need to believe this. Before we totally unpack this verse, I want you to right know that there is no confidence found in this passage without the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Being confident, if you're not a Christian, there is no confidence in this, in this, in this, in this living word that Paul penned. You can't be confident in anything in your life right now until you understand the truth of Jesus is and your total submission and surrender to him. This verse is just words on a page of a holy book and not your truth. Your confidence with Christ should compel you to think about things. I don't ever want to come across unloving. Really, truly, I, I don't. I really, that's something that God's really, really worked on me. I, I really don't want to come across unloving. And I'm not trying to, to be that when I say this, but I, I desperately ask that you would consider the words that are falling from these clay lips. This is, this is the, 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 the souls or people are going to die and go to hell. What is hell? We don't even really know what it is, but it's awful. I mean, our worst, our, our, our best, our worst day here is probably a vacation to the Tahiti or to Hawaii in, in uh, hell. There's, there's not even a, a literal comparison. And I just want you to be thinking about what God's doing in, in the work in you. You would be compelled to think about the literal truth that love motivates this truth. And if you have not given your, your life to the Lord and you have not surrendered to Jesus and you're in this room wondering when I'll shut up soon, but I want to encourage you to think about this because we're not promised anything. We are not promised anything. Those in the web watching in the overflow room or whoever, you know, start dwelling on this, thinking about it. That word to be confident literally means to be persuaded. Literally has four different Greek applications to be persuaded. Why do we need to be persuaded, you think? Because in our heart of hearts, and our nature of nature, we don't want to. We want to have control. We want to have an understanding. We want to think that we're in control. And it comes down to a choice, I think, in all of our lives. Choice is the great equalizer in everything that we do. The choice is before us always to be persuaded, to believe what God has allowed in your life, to be a part of where you're at, and to move on and to go forward. Amen? It comes down, you might say, well, there's no way... That all this stuff happened in my life to be a good work. Yeah, I'm telling you there is. I'm telling you, I believe it. Do you know who I'm married to? Yeah, I know who you're married to. They're awesome people. It's a joke. Ha ha he he. Do you know where I work? Do you know my boss? 
Have you talked to my mother-in-law? I could keep going on. Do you know that I'm sick? Do I have cancer? I don't have a job. My kids are in rebellion. I could go on and on and on and on. Love any one of your lives. The Lord is good, my brothers and sisters. Amen. Amen. The Lord is good. The work is good. Does it feel good to be hurt by someone who has ever, who you loved or loved you? No, of course it doesn't. Do you, you don't have the ability to touch somebody you love anymore. How's that feel? Stinketh in Greeketh. Does it look right when the guy runs a red light and smashes your car? Affects you for the rest of your life. Things happen in life that don't make sense. Richard's not here, miracle man, but that accident that happened to him, and I'll talk to him next, changed his life. You ever, you ever see him, the miracle man, Richard? Saved not, had that accident not happened, he wouldn't be saved. He'll confess that. You think about these things like, Ugh. don't forget, and I, I don't want you to forget this. This is a true, another truth. Paul, at this time, this is some years later, but Paul was a murderer of Christians. He was a murderer. Murderer. Acts 9 tells the account that they threw the coats so they wouldn't get blood on their clothes at his feet as being the leader when they stoned the church's first martyr, Stephen. This is Paul, the apostle, who wrote three-fifths of the New Testament. Paul. And he writes about truth, being confident of this very thing. Charles Haddon Spurgeon says this, where there is an instant, where is there an instance of God's beginning any work and leaving it incomplete? Show me for once a world abandoned and thrown aside half formed. Show me a universe cast off from the great potter's wheel with the design and outline, the clay half hardened, the form unshapely and incomplete. Show me. Doesn't exist. God always finishes what he starts. Do you understand that? In the midst of everything you've gone through, all the stuff that's gone on, it's been a part of your divine romance with King Jesus. Hasn't felt like a romance, I know. Hasn't felt like a blessing, I get it. Hasn't been something I would have signed up for, who does? But when you gave up your, your, your will and your submission to Jesus, part of the sanctification, part of believing what God says you are, became manifest. And I'm going to tell you what. I do discipleship on Sunday mornings with, with the, the grade eight, some godly young men that are going to be pastors. And then when we talk to them, and one of the things we talked about, and this is the thing that I shared with them, and this is the truth that I hope I can convey to you. Where are you going to go? Only you have the words of eternal life. Peter's words. To Jesus as he's asking, where are you going to go? Any of you guys, where, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? You're not, you're going to, you're going to heaven. No, no, no. Where are you going to go with Jesus? You are, you're not, that heaven thing is great, but you only know Jesus. You're going to go to Jesus. That's what he's saying when he addresses that truth as he looks at him in the eye. Where am I going to go, Lord? Only you have the words of eternal life. We run to Jesus, guys. As a promise, we get to go to heaven, which is great, but the sanctification process is looking at Jesus. So three things to close. Do we have people in our lives that we are thankful for? Yes or no? Yes. Tell them now, today. Let them know with conviction. If you have to cry, it's okay. I cry all the time now. I'm a big wimp. It's awesome. Fellowshipping in the gospel. Maybe someone, maybe ask someone to pray when you eat a meal, huh? You're going to go eat, you're going to get some calories after this, right? You're going to go to breakfast. Get crazy. Ask somebody if you can pray. Hey, we're going to pray anyways. See what, my, what God might do. You might, who knows? You might be the advocate of truth that somebody needs a bridge built and they need to be loved. And you're that, you're that agent brought to that day. Lastly, do you believe that everything in your life has led you to believe that God is doing a bigger work than you even realize? He is. I attest to that. I stand in faith and in confidence with that. Do you choose to believe the work he has allowed in your life to be shown as a part of your testimony? Do you choose to take those next steps of faith, though? Everything is a choice. 
I had to, I, I had to, I had to, I had to embrace this seven months ago. I had to look it in the face. I had to embrace it and go, this is truth. Either you are a liar or you're crazy, which I am, or you're Lord. And I had to believe that. And I believe it now as I've been walking with the Lord. 1226 is my spiritual birthday. So that's how old I really am in Jesus. And that's what I believe. So I want to encourage you with that. As the worship team comes forward, I want to encourage you now, though, in the room of these kind of people, I'm not going to assume ever, I don't, I don't use that word, that everybody in here is a Christian. I don't know if you are or not, but I want to give you the opportunity to make these manifested truths real in your life. I'm, I'm just a mouthpiece. I don't save anybody. No one in this room saves anybody. The Holy Spirit does. And if you don't have that peace and assurance right now as we're praying and we're thinking about these deep things, and I want you guys as Christians to be praying right now. There might be somebody in this room, first and foremost, who doesn't know Jesus. We want you to know that the, vir- the virtue of verse 6, that you can be confident that everything that has led to now is a part of your walk, that all the junk that's in your trunk, all the stuff, every test that's been a testimony, every mess that's a message can be changed today. I mean that wholeheartedly. You can stand with me and, and, and afford, and all the people who know Jesus can say, yeah, this is real. This isn't some fictitious lie. This is real, real stuff. So right now, as you're hearing my voice, if, is there anybody in this room right now who does not and has not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior? Be bold right now because the gates of heaven are open. The portals are open. As we know, the gospel has been spoken preached and we want you to know salvation is there anybody in here at all who does not know jesus has not accepted the fact that he is king of the kings and lord of lords okay so i'm talking a room full of saved people awesome so now let's take the next step are you confident in the work that god has done in your life are you confident to realize where you've been put now is part of what was, but there is a future and a hope ahead of you. That there are plans that are good and not of evil. That God knows what he's doing and he's leading you and guiding you to this very intersection in life to take those next steps of faith, to be real and radical, to be thankful for what has happened to transpire, but also to realize that this is bigger than you and that everything that we do is a part of Jesus. Every breath is a second chance. If you need to get right with the Lord about that, I would encourage you to do that as we sing these last couple songs. And as you're a Christian, as you manifest, you go out and you're gonna pray for somebody who needs prayer today when you go eat. Start asking yourselves these real truths. I believe God wants to use this in ways that we don't even know. And it's not about being a minister of the gospel, it's about being a Christian. People who believe as if they believe what they believe is really real. Do you believe it? Then live as such. Thank you for letting me share with you. God bless you guys.